Hello everybody, welcome back. It's another week of the panel discussion where we take old books, we take new books, comic, but the comic book variety, and we, re- we review them uh, based on five categories, art, action, story, dialogue, and rereadability. And we grade them. I am one of your hosts, Matt Johnson, alongside... Greg Knowlton and Chris Gello. I wanted to make it awkward. It was. It's really awkward now. <laughs> it's definitely very awkward now. Um, those were were your hosts of this show uh, every week, uh, every Monday, uh, right here on the BICBP Radio Network. Listen in, check us out, and uh, hopefully we can help you expand your comic book horizons. Um, any news? Comic book news, really. I mean, I, again, we're still waiting any day now. Avengers Four trailer, Runaways trailer today. Ooh, oh, was it? it? Yeah, uh, it came out a few hours ago on Thursday as we record this. Um, pretty good. Uh, we get a new Runaway. We think Topher. Hmm. I have to look really much into who, what his backstory and stuff. Yeah. But he's in the comics. Yeah. Uh, but it's just a lot of like the the, the what I like about that and. You know what I like about this show is, is it's really the same villains. Like they mm-hmm. built that story where they could literally continue the same storyline. Like Joan is still there. And- yeah, there's no villain of the week with this show. No, I'm a fan of that. Uh, Elseworlds trailer, the another trailer dropped. We're gonna get Smallville. Um, it's on another Earth, Earth 38. We're gonna get a little couple little things with that. You did get to see the official like action shot of black suit Superman. Um, I did see that. It was it was pretty cool. I think this. I'm pretty positive what we're going to get. And when I start getting back to the DC TV news, I do have to get back to that. But yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I'm pretty positive of what we're going to get is Mister Freeze. There's been just way too many hints. Nora Freeze is casted in Elseworlds. They've casted somebody to play her. And on top of all that, they dropped Victor Freeze's name in the Flash last week in the really? Icicle episode. I got that yet. So, yeah. I know we've gotten the monitor. I'm yes, and there's rumors that we may get the anti-monitor. Yeah. But I'm I can guarantee. Now nah, I don't want to guarantee it, but it looks like we're going to maybe get, in the Batwoman. I episode. think we're going to get Mister Freeze. I would like that. I, I honestly would, because Mister Freeze is probably one of those. Like him and Riddler are probably two of my favorite. Batman villains, because uh, they can be used in such a the classical sense. Yeah, we're very kind of goofy, over the top, um, but at the same Arnold time, can, yeah, the, pretty much that. And Jim Carrey's Riddler, and then but you can also use them in a very dark sense. Yeah, uh, and I think a very dark Mister Freeze would be a nice change of things. I think people would like. To, I think really, believe people would enjoy seeing. That take on him, that character, and um, I, oh, go ahead, Greg. No, you're good. No, and I forget their name, and this is where I need your help, Greg. But um, if he shows up, then it, all of the frozen uh, DC characters would would be in the Arrowverse. You had that bicycle. You yep. have Captain Cold. You have Killer Kill Frost, Frost, and now Doctor Freeze. I forget what, or what they there were is called. a name for Mr. the group, Freeze. and I can't think of it. Yeah, but there was a name of their little group there. They started the first ever uh, like Young Justice episode. Yeah, that started with them. It yeah. would be they would be something. What else? Uh, uh, Avengers random Avengers four news. They revealed that um, Eric Zelvig and Kat Dennings' character I can't think of her name survived the snap. It was just in a, like a Russo. Oh really? Movie. I didn't yeah. see that. Okay. 
They also expanded on why Netflix characters weren't in there. And they said the Russo brothers wrote a script where they were in there. <gasps> Interesting. And really? they thought it was make the story too convoluted, which I just think is a cop out. I want to see that script now. I see what it, I, I think what it's it. a cop out. You could easily did a f- two minute scene of when Doctor Strange is in New York with Iron Man. Yes. And boom, there is. You didn't even have to give all four. Just give us Daredevil. That's oh, all really you had to give about. us. You didn't have to and give maybe us fist. Cage. You didn't have to, Cage would have been cool. You didn't have to give us, you know, uh, Jessica Jones. It's all we wanted was Daredevil. I would be fine with just Matt Murdock. You would just a Matt Murdock character? With yeah. just like Murdock like running through, like grabbing someone, picking him up. Right. Now, Murdock in Civil War would have been made more sense. That too. If it was just Murdock. Yeah. So many possibilities. Uh, I, I would have loved yeah, I, I like you said, it could have been a small cameo. Um, or they could have made him a bigger part of it because there are times where the, the the Netflix, you know, the TV universe, well, not even a universe, the TV shows just feel so disconnected from the regular MCU. Like I wish there was more yeah. that that binded them together besides like a subtle reference here and there or a newspaper clipping yeah. in the background. You know what I mean? And why can't the TV shows even cross over more? Like, yes, the Netflix ones do, but why can't we get crossovers with? Cloak and Dagger and Runaways. Why can't we get right? Cl- 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 why can Agents and Shield cross over with the Netflix shows? It, it Clark Gregg with- is a giant Iron Fist fan. Why is Danny Rand not been in an episode of Agents of Shield? Yeah, that's his favorite Marvel yeah. character. They would have to go that way. I don't know if the agents would transfer over well to the Netflix shows, but they would. Tra- the Netflix shows would transfer fine over to like Agents of Shield, but. I could actually see Runaways and Agents of Shield meshing very well together because they have that more upbeat style. That well, I think Runaways and Avenger. Cloak is obviously that it, oh, that yeah. doesn't happen. That's it's got to happen at yeah. some point. Trying to find something else. Nope, we're good. I'm just trying to find my date for my comic book. No, oh. I was thinking, was there some Spider-Man? Like on the Sony side of things, they're, they're doing their that? heavy media push for Spider Verse. hundred okay. percent on Rotten Tomatoes as of right yeah, now. Yeah, they're they're doing really? a major push on that. Venom has uh, done uh, more uh, money than Wonder Woman. Yep, that's huge. That's oh, yeah. really big. Um, yeah, scary because so. who knows what's going to happen with Spider Man and Sony now. But and that's the thing now. Yeah. Now Sony's going. Ooh, we have a success. Which okay, now this. Now this Morbius movie may not be too bad. Yeah. Now I'm thinking maybe I want them to do Craven, but they just once again just give me a little connective tissue. Yeah, they should just work together at this yeah. point. Yeah, because uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't want Sony to keep those Spider-Man. Ca- they, like you said, that's Venom was a success. They can completely pull Spider-Man away, and because yeah. it's supposed to be done after the next year. Yeah. Um, the Spider-Man Two, Far From Home, and that's when the Sony Marvel. Bond is supposed to be split again, unless you know, just just keep it all connected. No one wants to see a fourth Spider-Man in the last ten years. Like, no, no, it, it'll, or twenty. Years. Well, it's going to be Tom Holland, regardless. He's, He's in contract Sony. for okay. so many movies, but Good. but at least the Spider-Man character can only be used up to Far From Home. So it's a little nerve-wracking. Like it's going to be weird and and just just feel different if if Spider-Man is completely pulled away from the MCU again. It'll break my heart if. MCU gets to bring in the Fantastic Four, and we don't get an MCU-run Spider-Man Fantastic Four crossover. Yeah. I care more about Spider-Man and X-Men crossing over. That as well, too. Because for me, like, 
I hope somewhere, some down the line, we get the man spider story because it was so epic. Yeah. yeah. It was so epic. Yeah. I, I have to agree with that. Not like, like now that I've tasted Spider-Man in the MCU, You've I would hate him. Oh, I've tasted him. <laughs> uh, I'd hate to give that up. You know yeah, what I me mean? Because you know the potential and, and look how good Spider-Man has been in these movies, how important he's been. Civil War, his own movie, and Infinity War. Um, just such an important character and, and vital to the overall story. Where if yeah. you lose not, now that sense of loss, you know, that he might go away and that might be it. And they made Venom much like they made Deadpool where you could easily go, oh, it's in it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, they did, it didn't have this whole different universe yeah. where it was like, oh, this is completely different than MCU. Like, they could just say, oh, no, that's in there. And it could be and a that's how years Deadpool behind. was made. And that was smart, how they made yeah. Deadpool. Yes, it was. Because they knew. Because you can't do that with the X-Men movies. It's too, like, you know, it's too, oh, this guy, the government. All, it, it, you can't say, oh, yeah, that's in the MCU the whole time. You could do that with Deadpool. They're I almost, mean, they even put a helicarrier in it. Yeah, they're almost <laughs> the street level without being street level. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, I get nervous. Because if you lose Spider-Man now, you can't nope. re-add at least Peter Parker. You can't re-add him to MCU if you get his rights back. Yeah. You know that's that's the thing that I always worry about. But in his shining moments, honestly, are when he's with other MCU characters. Yeah, like I feel like his best scenes are always when he's with Tony Stark or with other characters. What if they did this? And this is an interesting story. What if the contract's going up and Spider-Man's like, or Sony's like, oh, we, we, we love what we're running with. And Marvel goes, let's cut you a deal. Give us Miles Morales. They kill off Peter Parker in their universe. We get Miles Morales. Ooh. I think I'd rather see Sony have Miles and keep Tom Holland in our end. And have, let Sony almost have an ultimate universe. Yes, uh, yeah. And then if they ever choose to do a crossover, Sony's ultimate universe crosses over the MCU's 616. Yeah. I, would, I would even love Taron Egerton as Ben Riley. Uh, Taron Egerton. I would, would love be a Ben Riley appearance. Ben Riley. Yeah. Yes, yes, I would love Ben Riley. Ben Riley is my second favorite Spider-Man, so I, I would appreciate that. If you're gonna have another like like another studio, that's what you do. You just go okay, then you run universe whatever. Like you run the Ultimate Universe. We're six one six. All of our movies are six one six. You take the Ultimate storylines. If that's how we're gonna exist, maybe that's how you exist. <laughs> And that could solve a lot of problems. I think DC should do that and just go, hey, we're going to do Earth 1 movies. You do Earth 2 movies and start getting all these different stories. Yeah. Yeah, just make them stories, not, you know, trying to cross over everything. Yes, yes. Exactly. And in 10 years, when if DC pumps out enough good movies, then we go, okay, let's cross over. Not, like, that was Marvel's thing. They started the movies without the full intention, like, with the idea of crossing over, Teased but it. not the intention of crossing over immediately. DC's like, okay, we got to make these movies with it the, and be able to cross over right away into Justice League. Eh. <laughs> yeah, they wanted that one off and just to instantly catch up. Like and, I told you, all they had to do was build on what CW was doing. Yeah, Aquaman's got good reviews as well so far. That's good to see. Um, yeah, I, the I feel like Ocean so, Master footage came out. It looked awesome. <laughs> I feel like DC solo movies might do really well for themselves. Well, because they're more that's what upbeat. It, <laughs> That's what it seems like. When they said they were going to do one-off stories, I was all about that. When they talked about Batman Noir, and they talked about uh, just a straight Flashpoint movie that had nothing really to do with anything, and there was like a Green Lantern, like Space Cowboy type story. Like when they were doing all, when all those were like these one-off stories, 
like that sounded cool like you know and then now it's they don't know what they want to do like <laughs> they they really don't aquaman looks great and i've heard it's a straight up origin for like for like typical comic book but he's aquaman. never had one yeah that's the thing like we never our live action aquaman was a very failed experiment on smallville yeah that's so, all we've ever had hey, he's he was a good aquaman just all I'll ever see now, though, going back, is Thad Castle from Blue Mountain. But the awkward thing is, is he's casted in there because they wanted to tease if they could do an Aquaman TV show, yeah, and then they greenlit it, and they casted Justin Hartley, and the Aquaman show didn't test well, so he became so they Green made Arrow. Justin Hartley Green Arrow, <laughs> and then Justin Hartley does Green Arrow well enough that they're like, oh, we could do a Green Arrow TV series, but we'd rather have Stephen Amell, and now Justin Hartley's on uh, This Is Us. Well, that's fine because Stephen Amell's a killer. Arrow, and this is us is a very good TV show. <laughs> I I can say that I I'm all right with you saying that. <laughs> all, right. <laughs> all right, let's get into our comic book review, boys. <laughs> is uh, that what we're doing today? I, I think so. I they think were very so. whimsical today. It has. I mean, we can go back to talk about professional wrestling. We did that for thirty minutes off before area. we go. I know. I know. We did. We could do a whole episode of panel discussion on wrestling. <laughs> Or just what we're doing now, the news. Yeah. Those 10 minutes of news, by the way. 13. 13 minutes of 13 news. 13 minutes of news. We're on a roll today. Um, all right. Who wants to start today? I can, I can start. You can start. Okay. My comic's nuts. So. All right. Uh, old, right? First? Old yeah. first. Yep. All right. Um, I read Amazing Spider Man from 1989, and it was actually the Marvel Annual, uh, November 23rd, Marvel Annual. Uh, um, Amazing Spider-Man Annual Volume 1. Very cool book because there's a big story that I guess was a continuation of stuff they had through like other stories. And it was also, there was also a lot of corny small stories uh, in there. Um, but uh, this this was pretty cool. Uh, typical 1989 Spider-Man, uh, really at like the height of his second run of popularity, I guess you would say. Um, but uh, the story uh, starts off, uh, there, there is a, a guy, uh, he's a Lord Guao, or I believe his name is. Um, and basically these people, they're the Lumerians. So they're like related to the Atlanteans. Okay. And they, the serpent society has helped them like kind of get power right now. And basically they're trying to take over the earth. Um, you know, and then there's this Lalyra who's like the top like assistant to Lord Guao, whatever. So whatever they're they're they want to take over the earth. Typical villain story. You then see Spider-Man, and he's mad because uh, a reporter at uh, named Kate Cushing has been giving him crap, uh, saying that, that that you know, telling Parker that oh, it, there's not enough substance with these Spider-Man photos. They're not good. They're not entertaining. Whatever. So now Peter Parker's stressed out about his job, and Mary Jane shows up wanting to take him to lunch. Let's look at 1989 Mary Jane. And for those of you who are not watching, 1989 Mary Jane has the biggest perm I have ever seen in my life. She looks like a extra from a Poison video. Yes. Like, it is yes. insanely big. That's probably the best way to describe that. Yeah, like... And it's that scene from Grease when, when Sandy comes up with her hair all crazy. <laughs> So, she's there, you know, hey, Tiger, let's go to lunch, blah, blah. And then Jameson's getting into it with uh, with She-Hulk. 
Um, and, and they're arguing back and forth or whatever. So now Peter Parker's at lunch and his spider sense is tingling and he doesn't know why. And there's this unmarked van that has Lemurians in it with Lalyra and the Abomination. But the Abomination is not Emil Blonsky. It's a fellow Lemurian named uh, Tyrannus. Hmm. Hmm. It's a very weird, weird Spider-Man story. <laughs> like... <laughs> Uh, but it's cool, but it's weird. Um, and it's cool that Spider-Man is, like, really heavily involved in, like, a Abomination, She-Hulk, Atlantean, like, story. Yeah, I, li- I like when he gets mixed in with stuff like that. Um, different villains. So then you you have the Lumarians, you know, that, uh, and basically what they're doing is they f- they tell Abomination, who's Tyrannus, that we're going to take you out of this body. He must have been, you know, put in there. And we're going to switch you with the original Abomination, Emil Blonsky. So poor Emil Blonsky has broken the curse of being an abomination, and then they're going to put it back into him. <laughs> and, oh they, and they do. Um, meanwhile, this is happening. You have She-Hulk and Spider-Man. Uh, they're, uh, uh, you know, they're traveling to see where this spider sense is tingling and stuff like that. And then you see the new Abomination, that he's fighting with She-Hulk and, and, and Spider-Man, and there's just a bunch of pages of just back and forth action. Um, you know, uh, you know, Aunt May is is just watching the news, going all oh, this terrible fighting, and Flash Thompson's involved, and like he gets saved and stuff. And this is a very very cool panel. So, and they don't this they don't pay this off at all. Sorry to use a wrestling term, but <laughs> there's no payoff to this in this issue. But they're showing the fighting, Abomination, She-Hulk, Spider-Man, and they go, and then the kingpin of crime watches his city, oh, and and there's sick. a sweet like little kingpin, uh, little ki- there's a nice little cameo slash Thompson kingpin, you know, uh, little panel. So then we go back to more fighting between She-Hulk and Spider-Man and Abomination, and you know, Flash Thompson's there, um, and. They finally they use like a they use like a ship's like 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 a, basically like a rocket on a ship a missile on a ship to stop abomination. It's really like ten pages of just back and forth fighting. Uh, and then you know when the fighting ends, you know they think they saved the day. Whatever we stopped abomination, but then you get a, a few days later at a federal prison, and this this like sleazy politician has this man with him and they're breaking out Viper from the serpent society. And she goes, who are you? He's like, I'm Dr. Tyrone. And it's that Tyrannus guy in, you know, in in human form. Okay. So, yeah. And then just to kind of real quick, talk about the short stories. They actually did Spider-Man's origin. Uh, They, there was a bunch of panels of that. They just redid that. They redid, uh, they did a little thing, just how Spider-Man uses Spidey sense. They had an Aunt May solo story about some creepy guy that looked like John Candy in her house, and she ends up like <laughs> kicking him out with a broom. Um, they had this cool thing called Spider-Man's Top 30 Villain Countdown, and just this cheesy 80s cartoon versions of them. And then they had Spider versus, Spidey versus JJ, which looked like you said it off air, Greg, a Dilbert comic. <laughs> and it has JJ in like a... A robotic outfit that like wraps up Spider-Man in like wires and cords <laughs> and stuff, but you know, and, and it has like the human fly catching him and everything. And then there's a story that tells you about Lemuria with Utu the Watcher about the Serpent Crown and everything, and kind of um, origins of the Eternals and stuff of Lemuria. So and it kind of tied it into the 
original. Um, this book was given to me by somebody who goes, oh, you like Spider-Man? And I can't remember who it was hmm. like a few years ago. And I've been meaning to read this 64 pages. So I was like, uh, yeah. one day, one day. And it's a good read, yeah. I did read it today. Um, uh, and it was pretty cool. Uh, I mean, it was different. The the comic, the, the artwork's really cheesy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, we talked about how fat Venom looked in the, in the top three <laughs> yeah. villains thing. That was just that classic Venom look, too. That's right when he first came out. Right, yeah. 89, I think. Yeah, yeah I mean, this has got to be the first Venom. Yeah. Yeah. Marshmallow Venom. Um, yeah. yeah. So it was soft. We'll, <laughs> we'll and, start and chewy. <laughs> we'll start with the artwork. The artwork. I mean, there were some cool details with Abomination stuff like that. I'll give it a six. Okay. Because it does have. I mean, the artwork in the back for the small stories is much easier. Uh, the action. I mean, the, almost the whole book is a fight. So I'll give that a nine. The storytelling. Yep. I still don't know what's up with these Lomarian dudes. Like, it's kind of weird, this Lord Goao guy, but then they called him something else. And they're on Magneto Island, too, which is weird. Like, like in the beginning. So, and that ties into the X-Men, too. And I get, it, this isn't the first chapter, but it's a Marvel Annual 1. So, okay. you'd think you'd play the backstory a little bit. Like, yeah. it's Amazing Spider-Man Annual. So, let, let us know what's kind of happening. So I I would give that a five just because it's it's really just a fight. Yeah. Okay. Um, as far as dialogue, yes, dialogue was really easy to read. Uh, you know, um, that's a, I love the older comics; they're much easier to read. Uh, so I I would definitely give I'd give the dialogue an eight. An eight, okay. And then rereadability. I mean, it's an annual. It's kind of cool. Um, I like that there's a lot of pages to it. Like that's just yeah, that helps with my rereadability when I when I pick up a book, um, and when I when I read it, it's just wow, it's, can I really get like invested in it? And sometimes books are super quick, um, but that's like that's a legit well, book. Yeah, and that's the thing too. There's a lot of cool small stories in here. Where what makes it a collector's item? The yeah, Aunt May solo story. The, the the origin, actually having the origin in comic, which I don't think that's been released since the sixties at that point. So that for that, I'll give it an eight. Okay. Yeah, I think that the story wasn't the greatest, but for the fact that this is a collectible. Like yeah. hey, let's look at this cool Spidey versus JJ, or look how terrible Venom looked in nineteen eighty nine. It's you know And there's yeah. some low like his top thirty there's a lot of people people don't even probably know. Who read it off. Are. Read it off. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Here we go. Hold on one second because let me go through the Spider-Man vs. J.J. Jameson comic book. All right. So the top 30, and this was in no order, I don't think. Yeah. But they did Red Skull, The Crime Master, Sin Eater. I thought that was a weird one. Um, Hammerhead. Uh, let's see here. Chameleon, which looked like Hugh Hefner at this point. Uh, <laughs> Hydro Man, Shocker, Molten Man, Silvermane. Now we got some traditional. Yeah. Juggernaut. Thought that one was cool. And he's very fat looking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Human Fly. Uh, there's a guy, uh, The actually, I have heard of him before. Uh, Carrion. Yep. Yeah. Carrion. Yeah. yeah there's, car- there's three different. Uh, p- Versions of Carrion, actually. Yep. Yeah, um, this one was really weird looking. Um, Jackal, Tarantula, Rhino, Puma, the Lizard, Electro. Um, we have let's see here: uh, Mysterio, Sandman, 
J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. The man who killed Uncle Ben. <laughs> uh, Venom, uh, Scorpion, Vulture, Doctor Doom, Kingpin, Craven, Doctor Octopus, Hobgoblin, and Green Goblin. So that last group of guys was well, the main, the typicals. Yeah. yeah, is my like for me. Like I, I'm, I'm a Kingpin and a Craven guy, and it may have yeah. been the cartoon Craven show that did that. See, but yeah. those are my two favorites. Now you would add like I think it's like Negative Man. Like he was in the game. And yeah. There's, yep. Negative there's Man a was couple the more. Like Jackal would be way higher up there. I feel like the Jackal would be way higher up the, there. Um, um, the Inheritors now would be Carnage. Pretty. That's before Carnage. It, it, it's yeah. That's definitely before Demo Goblin. Morbius. Yeah. There was a nice Morbius line. Like you know, so. I would almost put Punisher on there. <laughs> yeah, I could definitely see that. I could definitely see it. if J. Jonah James is in there. Smythe. Oh, Smythe, yeah. yes. Smythe's a good one to put oh, yeah. on there. Like there's there's more Beyonder. Like yeah. there's you can put Thanos. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. That's but, cool. No, I, I really do appreciate that because I honestly Spider Man and Batman have two of the best rogues galleries. Without a doubt. Spider Man takes it for me personally, but a lot of people do go with Batman, but it's just cool to see what it was like back in 89. The best thing about Spider-Man and Batman is they have the best villains and then they have the worst. Yeah. yeah. Oh, because yeah. Spider-Man has guys like Mysterio and the Chameleon. But then they have the Mongoose or the Boomerang. Right. <laughs> you know, those idiots. Yeah. You know, and then same thing with Batman. Batman's got Joker and he's and he's got Harley Quinn, you know, and he's he, he's got freaking uh, Two-Face and all this. But he's also got Condiment King and Egghead and <laughs> the Weather the, Wizard. And what's the the, the fair King Tut? <laughs> like, yeah. you know. So. There's oh, who's there's well, a, the Weather Wizard's a Flash villain. I, I would later, yeah. Is he, he starts off as a he, Batman he, villain? He bounces. Same thing with a uh, Calendar Man is is a is a Batman villain as well? Uh, See, I thought those were just jokes for the Lego movie, yeah, and then I looked yeah. it up. I'm like, Mad Hatter, however, as weird as he sounds, is actually a great Batman. You know, what was a good one too. I keep, might be the Kill Clock or what was it? the Clocking? Clocking. The Clocking's actually really. Yeah. It sounds stupid. He's, great. He's an amazing villain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I dig it. I dig it. He was really. He was done very well in Arrow. Yeah. Arrow's at it, man. I appreciate that. Um, Greg, do you want to go next? Let's get weird. Let's get weird. Let's get weird. This whole episode is pretty weird, I'll be honest. But let's get weird. Wait, wait till you read this Moon Knight comic. Well, <laughs> so there's the name of our show. Let's get weird. I'm all about <laughs> May 2015, Archie versus Predator issue two. <laughs> yep, let's get weird. Very cool. So this, oh, I'm so excited. I read this and I was like dying. I love it. Opening. Opening shot, the kids just got back from the jungle. They are all sitting at um, Pops eating, and you've just got Jughead just downing two handfuls of fries, and off to the side, there is a laser beam shooting past Veronica's shoulder. The laser beam is the typical, you've got the typical Predator infrared, and it locks on. Um, As it happens, this other kid runs in and goes, guys, I have awful news. Cheryl and Jason um, Blossom were both killed at our resort, near a resort, some sort of jungle animal. If you read the last issue, you know the predator ripped their spines out of their bodies. <laughs> As this is happening, she, uh, Ronnie goes, I never liked Cheryl, but that's awful. And then Pops brings out a cake that is a special welcome home cake for everybody. He says, even though it's bad news, like, you know, I'm going to give everyone a slice. As this is happening, the predator's laser is still zooming in. 
and Pop's head explodes. <laughs> it is Can I see, let me see this picture? Oh it's my! Just, his head is all split. <laughs> and all of the kids are staring and covered in blood as Jughead is still trying to eat a French fry, <laughs> and he runs away with the cake. How as does he Pop, not get fat? Pops, Pops is laying with his head gone and like smoke, and Jughead is still eating the cake. Um, Ronnie and Betty run out, and there's uh, Pop's eye is in the cake, uh, and Betty starts telling Veronica that um, she is going to see Sabrina, aka Sabrina Spellman, in Greendale, and. Um, Ronnie goes, why? She goes, well, I did something supernatural. And Sabrina's in all the voodoo books. She goes, why, why do you know she's in the voodoo books? And you see Betty making a voodoo doll of Veronica stabbing it with scissors for asking uh, Archie out to the formal and kissing him. Um, and she says that she there was this shrine in the jungle, and she wished that the jaguar would come for um Ronnie, and I didn't even notice this, but as they're talking in the background, there's an invisible predator. I didn't even oh see it. And um, she apologizes. The cops show up real quick, and there's a joke about how, um, thank heavens for the rapid police response times here in the suburbs. <laughs> 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 they call, and, and 911 shows up, and, and um, uh, Archie's looking for Veronica and, and Betty, and they run off, and Jughead's still eating the cake with Pop's guts and eyeballs all over it. Um, what the fuck? <laughs> this is so good. They get to Sabrina's, and um, she comes out and brings the girls up and says that something did happen, and it sounds like she got cursed, and Betty pulls out this jaguar knife that she got. Um, and Sabrina pulls out a book. She said it's actually for zombies. Um but this will help solve your problem because you have to kill as many people as you cursed to get free from this this jaguar curse. Um, I love that Sabrina's involved with them trying to take out the predator. Yeah. <laughs> so Sabrina puts on this crazy helmet and like flips this book open and starts to like say this this ritual. And as she does, all of a sudden her she gets skewered and her freaking spine gets ripped right out of her body. The predator's invisible, so they don't see what see. They just see her spine get torn out, and it is it is gruesome. And as it happens, that jaguar knife hits the ground and breaks as well. Um, then Sabrina's cat jumps up and just gets vaporized by he a laser. He killed freak. Salem. <laughs> Salem gets vaporized. This is a super crossover, dude. I love it. Please tell me he kills Josie and the Pussycats. Oh, not yet. There's, <laughs> not there's five yet. issues. Oh my god. Um and. They Betty accidentally was like she had her phone like low key videotaping it and she caught the predator on camera, um, but Veronica thinks it was and she's just Sabrina's killed by ninjas and that's what they keep going by is these ninjas. Um, there's this awkward scene of Veronica's like changing and the predator's just like creepily watching them in the background like he's just like staring at them through the window. And he's like shooting at Veronica as she's changing, but he keeps missing because she's like bending down. <laughs> uh, and then the the jaguar knife reforms, just like with in liquid off to the side. Um, they come back and they find the the guys, and they're both covered in blood. Um, Moose and Midge went, and they, he Moose is like, "I brought my dad's guns. He's got a bunch of water guns." 
But uh, <laughs> Keller actually brought his dad and his uncle's guns, and his his dad is Sam Keller, who's he's a general. Yeah. In this story. Um, he actually knows all about the Predator and explains it to the kids and explains, like, the rules of the Predator. Like, you need to be armed, and he takes people for for tr- as trophies. Uh, and the kids are all cracking jokes, like, not like, taking it seriously. Um, and then you find out, like, everyone at the Spellman house was killed, and they found a mass grave there. Uh, and Moose is still pulling out his guns. And they're trying to figure out a way. They think the Predator is actually coming for Veronica because Veronica punched Betty in the jungle. So it thinks, like, Veronica is some sort of warrior. So, like, all right, we're going to we're gonna bait it out. But we need someone who's skinny enough and who can fit in a size six and passes Veronica. And Jughead comes out of the bathroom. <laughs> and so they dress Jughead up as Veronica and all load up with M16s. <laughs> I have to see this. <laughs> Well, there's the M16s, and she was handing Jughead the clothes. You haven't showed him yet. And they're, like, running off, like, uh, what is it? Reggie's yelling, like, let's do this for the girls. Let's do this for third base. And Moose is just screaming Master Chief as he's running. (laughs) And in the middle of the city, there's Jughead dressed as Veronica. (laughs) That's really good. And he just goes... I love this book. He goes, what are you waiting for? Just kill me. <laughs> the Predator locks in and shoots a laser. When he does, he actually misses and kills Midge. Like, or the bottom half of her body is missing and she's got a big piece of glass in her head. Um, he throws a car on top of Moose and Keller and there's like they're all just firing their guns off at nothing because they can't see. And then he appears and kills three people, like three soldiers with his laser beams. Um... One of the guys, like, he picks up one of the guys, and the guy, like, goes, I got you a present, and pulls out a grenade and explodes, but the Predator lives and just runs away as Jughead's still just in his, in the Veronica outfit, and he reaches in the purse and actually finds the Jaguar blade, and then that's where the book ends for wow. chapter two. Um, <laughs> when you said Jughead versus Predator. Archie versus Predator. Or, or excuse me, Archie versus Predator. I was getting, I was like, whoa, it's just going to be like Jughead the Hunger. Yeah. Uh, right, that was the one. Yep, it was okay, the werewolf. That was one of the, oh, yep, uh, <laughs> this was not that at all. It it is, but it's so much better. <laughs> so this is Archie of, crossovers. Are the Batman the best? Oh, it gets better than that. I'm sure you know these, Greg. Um, Tiny Titans, which is Teen Titans, is you know yep. like that. But I think my favorites are Kiss. That one I didn't know about. And Jason Voorhees, which I have to read that one. Yeah, that might be an episode. We might have to a do a Teenage couple Mutant Ninja, Ninja Turtle. Episode? Yeah. Turtles. And the one I still want to read is Punisher. Yeah. <laughs> like, how do you take somebody like that and put him into Archie? Yeah. Apparently, well, you can do anything with Archie. The Predator's in here, man. They're just like off story. This is such a good comic. I wasn't sure what I was getting myself into. I was looking for an older comic, and I was just like. I'm going to do it. Let's get weird. Just do it. Let's get weird. (laughs) And the best part is, like, so the Predator, when he's thinking, he, like, thinks in emojis. So, like, when he's running away, there's, like, a a, a screaming emoji, two sad faces, and a kid throwing (laughs) up. We have to do a whole episode on these. I'm all about it. Sharknado crossed over with them. I, I, I want it. I love Sharknado. Wolverine. Yeah, that one I knew about. Wolverine, Sesame Street, Peanuts. Uh, yeah. Wolverine and Sharknado, I'm all about. I'm super um, interested. Obviously, in. we know about Batman Harley Quinn just showed up in one, actually, last year. 
Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy met Ver- there's a lot uh, with Betty and Veronica Archie though like I said there's the Vamp Veronica which is like Jughead the Hunger with her as a, a, a vampire um, there's like they're doing like a Archie 1940s right now we saw the Archie 66 it's there's so much potential there's probably a couple more Madhouse ones like Jughead the Hunger um there's so much potential, and especially with this was before the Sabrina comic launched. Right now, there's the Sabrina comic as well, and like Green, she's in Greendale and Riverdale, and they can they cross those over a lot. So there's a lot with that as well, um, like we saw in here. This like, I had so much fun with this. This sounds good. Hey, is there anything coming out in two weeks? When does uh, Aquaman come out? Saying that one a. Thing. Oh <laughs> no! Um, Aquaman. I think it's close to Christmas. December eighteenth. Pretty something. sure that's close to Christmas. Okay, so that's probably because we got to do an episode for that. But I, I think like either next week or the week after, or work around it. Let's do. Let's do one. We'll do so, it. So, so I, here's I, my plan. Oh, because I have an idea. Because I looked up this thing that said even if it's not Archie, we should just do all weird. Crossovers. Yeah. I was gonna say we, yeah. should, we should do a weird crossover episode. Sorry, people listening, we're brainstorming, and I hopefully after Christmas we'll have all of those Hanna Barbera comic books, That's and right. we'll have to do another special with those. Yes, um, I have say, to get I this Godzilla Charles Barkley book. <laughs> yeah. I have heard about that. Yeah. I've heard of that. Punisher at Eminem. That one I haven't heard of. Like the rapper Avengers. Yep, Andy. Avengers with David Letterman, Ren and Stimpy and Spider Man. These exist, guys. Spider-Man on Saturday Night Live. Can you forward me that list? Yes. Yeah, let's please. Let's, we're all about this. So I can find these. I want to have Okay, let, let's review this. <laughs> Keep getting a spam man looking at it, though. <laughs> let's review this comic that I forgot I was reviewing. <laughs> Artwork, right? I'm yeah. certain, right? Starting off good. Starting off strong. It's um, it's pretty interesting. I wasn't going to give it a high grade, but like the way that they integrate the Punisher, or the Punisher, wow, the Predator, is so well done. Um, I'm going to give the artwork a seven. They do such a good job at having this weird, like, kitty, like, typical, like, upbeat set- Sunday morning cartoon with gore somehow. They did the same thing with Jughead, the Hunger. Like, they somehow mix those two styles, and it it works, and I don't get it. <laughs> action. There's so much good action. Um to, to, to the stuff you show me. The Predator amazing. goes nuts right off the bat, but it's low-key. Like He keeps trying to get them, and he kind of sucks at his job, which is awesome. Um, actually, I'm going to actually give the action an 8, because the opening scene with Pops, just it, it popped me huge, and I loved it. Um, oh, gosh. Story? Yeah. There, they, so I actually read the first issue, because I like to like kind of get a little bit afterwards. Um but they do a really good job in the second issue explaining it, and it actually has a strong story, like why he's after them and what's going on. But there's clearly something else going on with this Jaguar blade that's going to play into the, the finale. Um, and there is like a supernatural curse behind all this, so I'm really interested. I want to read the next couple. Um, I have them all. It's 145 pages long, this comic. So I have them all. It is... Um, I'm going to give this story a 10, because how... How did you blend Archie, Sabrina, and Predator so well? <laughs> it's uh, on the outside looking at it, like, oh, that's kind of hard to do, but it looked yeah, they looked really a, good. It, they did a great job with it. Um, dialogue they, again, the dialogue's killer. They each character has its own personality. They do a great job at like mixing all of this and explaining the Predator very well, but still having that goofy, typical Archie dialogue. I'm gonna give the dialogue an eight. Okay. Um, every character just 
they shined in every every line added to it. There was just so much attitude and comedy, and I'm a, I'm a big fan. Uh, rereadability, I would reread this all day long. I'm going to give the rereadability a 10 because I would gladly go up to someone and go, hey, you like weird things, read this. <laughs> like, I could think of so many people that would read, especially with Riverdale existing, like Archie crossing over with the Predator. Yeah. Or just, hey, you want to just watch the Predator jack up a bunch of, like, teenagers? Here you go. Read this comic. It's <laughs> In awesome. In comic booky form, yeah. It's awesome. 43 out of 50 That's for that. Deserving. Um, 43 out of 50. And I, I think I did forget to say Chris's. It was 36 out of 50 for Chris's first book. Um, so, all right. Yep. 43 out of 50 for Greg. And... Oh, no. What? I refreshed my comic oh. book. All right. I will go next. Mine is... It's an image comic book. It's a double-sided one. And it is called Young Blood: The Next Generation of Heroes. Uh, looks like it came out in April 1992. Um, yes, this is the, the first issue. Uh, let's see. The first side deals with the Young Blood home team which consists of Bedrock, Combat, Chapel, Vogue, Die Hard, and Shaft. Um, Shaft is actually pretty cool. Shaft. Shaft. Oh. <laughs> uh, totally just mixed Shaft with Flash Gordon. I know. <laughs> I went like, Shaft. Shaft was a bad mother. That's <laughs> <laughs> Shaft. I, I said you did that. It. <laughs> it's like Dayman, right. too. I'm reading a Shaft comic. <laughs> Next week. Sound bad at I guarantee all. there is Shaft comics. I'm, I actually really like this character. Um, but it starts off, they're at a mall, hip, uh, Shaft, and some woman. It looks like none of the people featured on here. Um, it's, a, it's like on a date with a woman, um, with a lady friend, and somebody's running from security. And Shaft chases him down an escalator, stops him, and you know what's what's going on here. And he looks up uh, from the like the part of the mall where he just ran down the escalator for, from, and there's a dude with like a sniper rifle. It was uh, yeah, it was pretty crazy. He it was he it reminded me of, like Bullseye because he's like, oh, I don't have any arrows, so let me just throw this pen, and bam, right in the head. <laughs> Dude, hit yourself. I did. He had a nice sound effect too. The dude falls into like a like one of the like a just a pool inside the middle of the mall, uh, like a little fountain area, and all the news is running up on him and asking him all these questions and whatnot. And before he gets interviewed, Shaft has to run off. And now they're running through the, some of the other characters. They got uh, Bedrock here. He's at home with his mother which is kind of weird but she's uh she's making him lunch and he's just sitting at her dinner table and rock this giant rock guy um and he goes oh gotta go and then there's die hard die hard you know it just seems like they're all going to their hq for some sort of mission um and let's see there's an envoy with uh Couple villains and like there's these like cool looking villains like they're they're kind of generic in hindsight but I mean they're they're, they're cool like in, like looking at your book for the time period that that was released in like that like the art the character designs are dope they're well, really really good you see unique. who wrote it right no I it's didn't. Rob Liefeld yeah 
That's oh. why it's just absolutely freaking amazing. That makes yeah. sense. You this know. is uh, it's the master of Deadpool, man. This is, and he's a great he's a great art like his artist, nuts. Yeah, no, I I really like these characters. I could easily see them in an X Men comic book or an Avengers comic book. Like they just all have that style to them. Yeah, it makes sense why they have that style then if they're life field. Um, and there's yeah, there's this there's this fight ensuing and they're beating up on some bad guys. And there's a cool little panel of all of them together, and that's the end of the first half of the book. It was just kind of them coming together. Uh, the other half, the back half of the book. Um, also young blood, like I said, and it deals with the young blood away team, uh, which consists of Brahma, Riptide, Photon, Sapphire, Sentinel, and Cougar. Um, I really liked it too. They came with like these cards and stuff in it. Like I, I love like '90s <laughs> superhero cards. Um, but it starts off with a, uh, it's a news report of talking about a man by the name of Hassan Hussein. Uh, hmm, I wonder who that sounds and looks like uh, for that time period. Davari? <laughs> no, man. <laughs> uh, he's talking about some terroristic stuff he's doing, and this away team is going to, is just chasing after him, going to fight all of his baddies, and... Uh, I mean that's pretty much the majority of this book is just him beating up these uh these grunts. And then eventually they corner uh they corner this guy, this Assad Hassan Hussein, and uh which guy is this? Sci-Fire. Makes his head blow up. I don't know exactly what his abilities are, but his eyes like started glowing green. And then the bad guys like he starts holding his head. And then the next visual is just his head blowing up. Greg can't see. I can see. Oh. <laughs> uh, but his head blows up, and that's pretty much the end of that. Um, so yeah, that was a quick one. That was more action packed than the first, the other side of it. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a pretty interesting book. Uh, I did want to go non-Marvel, non-DC this week, because I have been doing a lot of it. Uh, but let's get into the review artwork uh, for Youngblood number one. I'm going to give the artwork a... It's an 8. Early 90s. Really liked it. The covers were really cool, both of them, showing the teams and whatnot. Action. The, uh, the away team action was much better than the home team uh, action, but I, I, I was really impressed with like Shaft. Uh, I really like his character, and I do want to read more about him. He actually, he looks, his, his, uh, Pyro. Pyro? Um, yeah, overall with like, some brother voodoo-ness to him too. Yeah. His, his normal form kind of looks like Cletus Cassidy a little bit yeah. too. Um, but I do like his, his costume look. It's like, yeah, Crossover, Hawkeye, Pyro. Um, yeah, just a lot going on there. Um, and he, he was he was pretty cool in the book. Um, action, I'm going to give... I'm going to give a seven. Story, they were both brief stories, obviously introducing both teams um, and to, as far as what they uh, are all about. And, uh, I mean, there was... it was There were two decent stories. I'm not going to say they were amazing, 
Um, but it was a decent introduction story. I'm going to give the story a 7. Oh, sorry. I confused Chapel for Shaft. I apologize. Oh, you're good. Uh, dialogue. Uh, dialogue was easy to follow, helped helped develop the characters and whatnot. It was very easy to read, easy to follow. Dialogue's an 8. And rereadability. Would I reread it? Uh, yes, I would. Honestly, when I when I delve far away from stuff that I um, that I normally read, the Spider Mans, the X Men's, uh, the Marvel stuff, because yes, I am very pro Marvel. Uh, I don't end up liking it and not wanting to pick it up again. But this Young Blood book is caught my attention. Like I said, this Shaft character, he's uh, he's pretty cool looking, and I don't know, just he just feels like. He feel like I feel like these characters could belong in the Marvel universe and fit in very well. Yeah, or uh, a really or big DC X Men feel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, two teams. You know, that's when X Men was split into two teams, pretty much the Cyclops team and the Storm team. It was like a blue and a gold team or something like that. Yeah. Um, so a rereadability, I'm going to give an eight as well. So my score for this is 38 out of 50. For Young Blood Number One uh, by Image Comics, April 1992. This like cougar artwork, just specifically, he's full on like saber tooth and Wolverine, and he's even in like a classic Wolverine pose. Yeah, like, he it, looked. There was some. He liked looked like him too. Is it? Yeah. Well, and he drew like I feel like you said he draws a lot of the X Men comics from this time. Like he was responsible for a lot of it, so yeah. it makes sense that this stuff would look like it. Like. Um, this guy here like has like a Colossus style artwork to him. Yes. So it, it makes sense. Like and it's so it's not really a ripoff because it's his work. <laughs> no, pretty much, pretty much. Uh, yeah, a lot of similarities. And I would definitely read more of these. It's cool because yeah, it just it feels original too. Yeah. It uh, looks familiar, but feels original. Yeah. I think that's the best way to describe it. It's cool. I, I would definitely read these. <laughs> All right, Chris, you want to start us off with our new books? Sure. Uh, so th- this was. Let's get weird. What this is gonna get weird. So um, I read the final comic in the latest Moon Knight run, Moon Knight Two Hundred from Max Bemis, and this was the run that started with him in the same asylum. Like, yeah. hey, where am I? You know, many moons ago. See what I did there? <laughs> Vinny moons. Oof. <laughs> I meant it for Moon Knight. <laughs> Vinny Moon Knight. But anyways, <laughs> so. Sorry. So, just to kind of give you a description of what's going on here, and, and in this you have Mark Spector, Stephen Grant, and Jake Lockley. Those are the three personalities, um, you know, that he's dealing with. Plus, Conchu is a personality of his yeah. that he's dealing with in this. And there's a cool. I'll show you a little cool artwork later. But this is the description of this. So, Moon Moon Knight infiltrates the society to Sadiq. Uh, but he fi- he discovers I'm I'm kind of uh, paraphrasing discovers that their leader leader is his uncle Ernst, which is a Nazi disguised as a rabbi who he befriended as a youth before witnessing torture a Jewish man in a traumatic event and helped trigger Mark's associated identity disorder. So yeah, so yes, that's what we're dealing with. Basically, he is schizophrenic and has multiple personalities because he saw a man who he trusted torture a Jewish man, and Mark Inspector is Jewish in this. Yep. All right. 
So he infiltrates the society and he wants to take him down. So there's just a little bit of a flashback um, of Mark Spector meeting the Sun King and this other guy. Then we're at the insane asylum and the Sun King's in there. And this like, and, and this guy comes out and he's like, oh, you know, you guys you need to defeat Moon Knight or whatever. And like I said, it's Sun King and, and this big guy here. And then they flash to the future, which is now. And you see Mark Spector... Uh, battling the Sun King, and the great artwork about Mark Spector is 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 he's wearing a white puffy jacket, which just ties in the Asylum yeah. stuff, which is really cool. So they're fighting, and then all of a sudden, Sun King's like, "No, you know," he kind of shows Mark something, and and he goes, "What's your game?" And he goes, "Come with me," and he's on a a chopper with Mark Spector riding, like you know, riding in the back, and then he they're overlooking, and they see the God Ra. And Mark Spector is like, oh, that's the villain in this. And then he goes, Rob really isn't our enemy. So you go to Marlene's house, who's Mark Spector's uh, girlfriend um, and his uh, baby mother uh, in this comic. And she goes to Mace Sun King. goes like, no, he's an anti-hero now. Because Sun King is like Moon Knight's like arch enemy. No, he's a good guy now, this and that, whatever. And this was cool. And this is, I love this weird artwork. So... Mark Spector's talking to his multiple personalities, right? And they're all, like, dressed to, you know, Jake Lockley is, you know, the freaking, uh, you know, the cab driver with the, you know, little fedora hat. And, you know, they got Stephen Grant looking all fancy. He's the millionaire. But then they have Kanushu wearing a suit because it's a... <laughs> like, like, <laughs> and that skull. Yeah, that was it. Kanushu, the moon, god, the moon god. So, you know... <laughs> they're talking to Mark about, you know, can they trust Sun King, this and that. Uh, and Mark's daughter says, I want to be a hero. I want to be Moon Girl. And he's like, there's already a Moon Girl. <laughs> and there was a lot of little, like, cool little jabs like that and stuff like that. She made artwork where she wore this cool thing, which I think actually is leading to something. Yeah. Um, the next run they do. But so they go on and they, they know they got to stop the society to Sadiq and... They go there, and it's exploding in this and that. And these are the coolest things. So here's the Society of Sadiq, and they look like mini Moon Knights. Yeah. And, oh, I'm sorry, the guys in the purple the Society. And, like, these these guys in Moon Knight outfits are, like, Moon Knight's friends. Like, they're just, like, helping Mark Spector out. And I think they're all, like, people who are insane from the insane asylum. <laughs> <laughs> and look at this panel. Whoa. They're awesome. Of Moon Knight. But this is Moon Knight. Going in direction of fighting people. That's just him. Yeah. I mean, this was the, the, this panel, for, I know you can't see, but there's these giant panels of just the fighting. But this panel it's right clearly here just him, yeah. is freaking amazing. It's a cool panel. This is the Daredevil hallway scene of comic yes. book panels. I, I thought that instantly. That, that's why he needs a Netflix series, but whatever. <laughs> um, so then, you know... Uh, they basically defeat all these society guys, and then they discover the real villain is not Ra. It's called the False Truth, which is this man oozing blue goo. Like I said, it's gonna it's it's gonna get weird, guys. So what happened is is this Nazi. What he did was he created him and Joseph Mengel Mengel uh, created this um, basically experiment that would weaponize people. Uh, it's it's really hard to explain here. So, you know, basically they would alter DNA to 
want to kill Jewish people. Right. Like Nazi DNA. That's like weird. That's, yeah, that's what they wanted to do. Um, and it's, you know, it's basically causing corruption, and it's kind of like a venom, and they mentioned venom, kind of like a sick venom, like a blue venom. Okay. It makes you hate Jewish people and this and that. So this false truth, he's out there. Um, and then... You know, Mark Spector's just, you know, he's basically trying to get Mark Spe- Moon Knight and Sun King to doubt themselves, to hate themselves, this and that, and really cool artwork. He looks really villainous or whatever. Once again, this is even weird for me being a Moon Knight fan to understand a lot of this stuff. But Moon Knight's like, I'm no man's slave. He takes out the, the false truth. Marlene says we can't trust Sun King, even though we just helped him. So what he puts Sun King back in the insane asylum, um, you know, and, the, and, then, he, and then he... uh and the guy even says, he goes, Would you, do you want to come in here? And he goes, no, I'm good. And he walks off shirtless in the sunset. I know that was a very weird description, but it's a very weird comic book. Very weird comic book. Basically, Nazi blue goo that makes you hate Jewish people and doubt yourself. Yep. It's so weird. Very weird. Um, but very, very fun at the same time. So, um, not my favorite Moon Knight run. I didn't read all 200 comics in this. Uh, I remember reading the first couple because I thought it was cool. He wakes up and he's like, where yeah. am I? And, and then this run here. Um, I mean, a, a nice finish to it. And Sun King being an anti-hero is pretty cool. That He, he could get his own comic. Yeah. Uh, they kind of cool. made him like a... They almost kind of modeled him after the dude from Walking Dead, Norman Reedus' character. Okay. He almost has that vibe if you kind of look at him. He almost, yeah, I could see visually, yeah. Yeah, he almost has that vibe. So I can see him... and. and you know, so we'll start. We'll start with artwork. The artwork's absolutely amazing, and the visuals in this, like I, I, I said, like you know, this comic's about him being in the same asylum, him wearing the white puffy jacket. Like yeah. the fight scene was just so cool. So for the, for that for that visual, that's a ten. The artwork's really sweet. Good, good, good. And I love modern Marvel artwork. I'm a sucker for yeah. it. Yeah. Um. Now, excuse me, for for uh, action, I mean, it's pretty good. There's some, you know, a little, little bit of, you know, null and void, but for the most part, it's fighting almost the whole time. And that panel, I kind of give it a 10. Yeah, that yeah, panel is really, really cool. <laughs> there are some cool Moon Knight panels in previous comics, too, where you just like... The, He's fighting multiple people at the same time. Especially and, this this run of 200. Like, I have the first two issues. I got yeah. the first issue when it came out. And the artwork is just... I can't believe like, they got 200 comics out stellar. of this. Fast, too. That hasn't yeah. been around that long. 2016? Yeah. Yeah. So That's impressive. Yeah, a lot of story, a lot of comic book runs don't get up that high anymore. Yeah, especially in that short, in three years. Yeah. I think because he's so obscure, nobody's trying to alternate. Right, yep. right. Like, oh, we got a Spider-Man running. Yeah, but people want Superior Spider-Man again. Yeah. So just like, oh, but you, you know what I mean? Like, with Moon Knight, no one's like... Yeah, but we got to change Moon Knight this. Moon fans cause... are Moon Knight fans. Yeah, least. it's yeah. just a weird That's a good thing. point. Um, storytelling, I got confused at times. I'm not even being a Moon Knight fan. It's really weird. So I'll give it a seven. Okay. On that. Uh, for dialogue, the dialogue's a little weird at times, too. It's a little hard to read with some of the stuff. So I'll, I'll give that a seven. Okay. And for read readability... Um, I mean, I give it a ten. It's just—it's a cool comic book as far as seeing the fight scene 
and, and, and seeing all that. So, um, I mean, I really enjoyed myself on it being a Moon Knight fan. Uh, like I said, very cool book. Uh, I definitely recommend picking up the series. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm really intrigued to see the next Moon Knight run um, where it goes. I really like the weirdness they've done with, like, Iceman and Ghost Rider and stuff like that. Yeah. Let's make Moon Knight a little comical again. I mean, this is weird, but I want to see a really weird. And that Moon, I feel like we, his daughter being a Moon Knight is the next direction they're going in. Yeah. Awesome. 44 out of 50 for that book. That's mm-hmm. not, that's not bad. You uh, there was uh that's our highest rated book today. So, very good. Uh Greg. I did an image comic for my second. I stayed a completely we both did it. Just didn't touch Marvel or DC this week, so I'm kind of proud of myself. Um, <laughs> You're proud of you. I'm proud of me. Yeah, I know. I was. I've had <laughs> Poor a, DC got no love this week. I, I know. I had a couple comics in my hand. Like I was going to do like Black Panther versus Deadpool. I almost did a new 52 Batman, but I, it was very confusing. I can't wait if we can have a weird crossover episode. That'll be cool. There was a Labyrinth collection I almost did, like David Bowie Labyrinth, and it was like telling a bunch of different stories. But I landed on this because I wanted to. I wanted to do this. Um, before and didn't do it so i read errand boys issue number two um from november it's fun it starts off there is uh jace and tonk um are in a spaceship just slingshotting through space and tonk is uh tonk is jace's half brother jace is a full human tonk is half alien and Jace has now just started taking care of him. Uh, they're slingshotting for the first time, and Tonk is just like vomiting inside of the ship. Um, he just all of a sudden he just got tossed in the ship, and the ship takes off. Um, and he just keeps throwing up, and like Jace throws him a towel, and he tries to give it back to Jace. Uh, but he's like, "No, just keep it." And they're talking about this errand they're running. Um, they're going to go collect this like weird. Um, bird thing he says literally is what he says some baby bird thing bring it back and collect the money um and tonk says like what are dirt pirates like oh don't worry about it just be cautious about him we'll we'll just say we stay away from him um and they're just kind of going back and forth uh tonk pulls out his homework that he had because he's supposed to be young i think he's only supposed to be like 14 or 15 and actually um had studied this bird thing that they're looking for called a yazog and is trying to like give him more um was it more information on the mission and Jace is just like that's a little big for this this is we're just running an errand it's not such a big deal um and you kind of get the differences between the two of them like Jace is a criminal and Tonk is this like this kid who's kind of going on the right path um Jace definitely has like a Star-Lord Han Solo vibe to him okay um and the cops come pull them over uh Basically tells Jace he has a whole list of tickets, uh, and the cop is this weird like lizard thing with like a or with like a space fin on his head. Okay, and tells Jace to come out. Um, Jace goes, "Oh no, I I have panic attacks when I go in the space. Sorry, I have a med card somewhere." And like a lot of the, there's always like a narrative thing in their heads, like talking about what they're doing. Um, at one point, I think. Did I already pass it? Yeah. Tonk is talking and he goes, sorry, I lost my narrative train of thought. Getting a little confused. Breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. It does a really good <laughs> job with it. Um, and then Jace goes, you know what? I have an idea. And just hits the gas and like they get into this police chase. Um, 
and literally he's like telling himself, this is stupid. What am I doing? And there's like a toilet floating through space and they're like dodging <laughs> this, like these toilets and all this garbage. There's like just a dead body floating. Um, uh, and he's just like, like realizing, Oh, this is stupid. I'm making a bad choice, but whatever. And he like flies out and go, like does the whole, like, did you see that flying? Like that was some crazy flying, like yeehawing and going like, he's a full on skate space cowboy. <laughs> Um, and then you get like a little dialogue between the two of them about how they're different. But like Tonk says, like, you look like dad. Um, I, I don't look like him except we both got his eyes and they both have one yellow eye and one blue eye. Okay. And it cuts over to Jace, like talking to his dad the first time his dad has introduced him to, uh, Tana, which is the alien he's about to marry after he leaves Jace and his mother. Uh, and Jace is like ticked off at him and basically just disowns his father at this point. Um, it cuts back over, and they finally land on the planet they're at, and Jace is like, all right, grab the trap and the, the net that I've made. And the, it's just a stick with, like, a net on it. And the trap, the very intricate um, trap he has, Tonk goes, you mean the cardboard box with some old duct tape on it? And that's the, the elaborate trap he has. Um, they see this little bird, and they actually go after it, and they catch it. Um, really easy and then its mom shows up and starts chasing them and it is this giant like dinosaur monstrous bird like Godzilla size flying after them um, and they end up having actually go into the area where the space pirate or the dirt pirates are as they're called um, after trying not to and they end up getting a little scrum with them like Jace talks about this girl that taught him jeep foo and he uses a little bit of it to, like flip one of the monsters over uh and Tonk, like, kicks another one in the head and does a backflip over him, and the box starts to break. Um, they continue to run away, and now, like, the giant bird is, like, destroying the dirt pirate's home. And they finally feel like they get away, and they jump into a hole, and a giant space worm shoots them out of the hole. And Jay says, well, can it get any worse? As Tonk says, why'd you have to say that? And they're actually being carried away, um on skewers and the dirt pirates are talking about how well they're going to eat and they have all both birds the large bird and the little bird captured and jason tonk um strung up and they're about to go eat them there's a weird little panel at the end where they get away for a second but get caught and that's where the issue ends um and you actually see like there's another story telling about how the the yazog's um uh, husband died and got killed by the space pirates so it's like making you sympathetic for this this like bird thing that's raising its bird son, but yeah, it it ends just with them about to get skewered and eaten, and that is the end of issue two. Okay, um, it's a weird book. It's a really weird book. I I am interested to see where it goes. Um, it doesn't feel like it's only part of a series of five. It feels like there's a lot of st- answers they're leaving left open, but. Um, I liked it. It was different. You definitely have to read it. <laughs> it's got a lot of dialogue. Um, I'm going to start with the art. The art is actually really cool. It's got a very well-done sci-fi vibe, and all of the shots of space are just um, very intricate and very elaborate, and there's a lot of little things left through. Like the, They're constantly hyper-jumping, um, and you feel like you're in space looking at the panel. I'm going to give the art a 9. Okay. Action. Um... The police chase was awesome. I don't think I've seen too many car chases in comic books. They're definitely there, but not just straight up like well-done car chases, like 
blowing through debris and um, with all like the zooms behind it it felt like like almost like looking at the flash panel but again it was just just space space travel um i'll give it i'll give the action a seven there's a little bit of the scrum with the dirt pirates as well um story again it does a really good job setting up the story i'm actually gonna give the story a six there's there's a lot going on um, it is a little confusing, but it does do a good job at trying to explain what it can um, without having to completely repeat everything. Um, and it is giving you some a little bit of backstory. I actually think there was probably less story in the first issue besides him like taking care of his brother for the first time. Uh, dialogue. The dialogue was where I get lost. The dialogue was a little rough. There's a lot of it, and a lot of times they say a ton. To, there's a lot written that could have really been written in less and they try to make Jay sound a little uneducated and it sometimes it gets a little confusing okay um but it does have a lot of character within the dialogue like the narrative stuff was really well done and um without changing the color of the panels it still feels like you're like you're hearing a couple different people speak but i'm gonna give the dialogue a five all right and rereadability I'll give the rereadability a, a five as well. I do want to read the rest of these. Um, this book was good, but I wasn't blown away by it, especially reading the Archie Predator one. It had a lot to live up to. Um, but it was definitely very weird, definitely very odd and not something um, I was expecting. It's something I was excited to read, so I think that was part of it too. I wasn't. I was expecting more, I guess, Guardians of the Galaxy or Star Wars. Okay. Uh, and it had that that Firefly vibe as well, but it. The, Do you think it went too weird, like Babylon Five weird? It didn't have quite start? that charm, and it might just be this this specific book. I maybe if I read them all, uh, like I said, I'm interested. It didn't. It just didn't have that charm, and it might be because they're trying to cram so much right away in just five issues. Um, but we'll see what happens. All right. What'd you say for uh, story? What'd you give it for story? I apologize. I think I, a seven. Seven. Okay. All right. Just wanted to make sure. Thirty-three. Thirty-three out of fifty for that book. Sounds right. Uh, the the last little story they tell about the Yazogs too. Um it, the artwork is so much better than the rest of the comic, even though the comic's artwork is great. It's just more of the new style. <laughs> Sorry. Uh Prince the Podcast and Pooches. Yeah, he's got his own official name now. He's all over the place. Being a little ham. All right, I will close off the show today with a book that I would never in a million years pick up as a casual reader. You're really about to get weird. It's really about to get weird. <laughs> I'm like, what is this? All right, I'm this so proud of you. I thought about picking that up a couple of times. Did you really? <laughs> yeah. This book is called Man Eaters. It is uh, number three. She's a man eater. <laughs> 100%. Uh, yeah, this was interesting. Uh, it's by Image Comics, and has a whole team of uh, female, pretty much their female, you know, I'm sure art, story, um, everything. There's a nice mix of it. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll start off with this. Well, any... Okay. So, there, uh, there's a girl in a class, they're discussing puberty in classes and this one guy in the back, you know, hears about what testosterone does, what happens to guys 
um, you know, once testosterone goes, yeah, testosterone's awesome. And it lists it all, math proficiency, hunting ability, impulsive behavior, speeding, carousing, and uh, facial hair. And then the girl reads uh, what it does for estrogen, what estrogen does to ladies. And the guy's like, ew, gross. <laughs> and breast tenderness, crying jags, yelling, pimples, binge eating, brain fog, and increased fat storage. Um, but here, here's a little, like, background, I guess. Okay, so it says, as estrogen travels through the bloodstream and fluids, it interacts with cells in a variety of tissues in the body and delivers messages and instructions that affect a number of body systems. In those affected with Toxoplasmosis X, a surge in estrogen levels will cause another more serious unwanted physical change. Cells mutate, causing girls to transform into cats. (laughs) I'm blown away by this book. Uh, awesome! <laughs> it's actually, I mean, it's pretty creative. Yeah, it's it's pretty creative. Um, and by cats, it's like they're like panthers, not just like kitty cats. Panthers, because look, they they show at the bottom like there's actual pictures of cats on there. Yeah, and it's only way larger, more homicidal, and ferocious panther. Um, some of the visual like graphs and stuff in this book, like. It's actually really well done because it goes, oh, stages of female development. Baby, tween, teen, ferocious panther, young adult, adult, <laughs> middle-aged, and then old. Um, so, yeah, there's that. Uh, it jumps into a scene in the park where a guy, he's got some kind of scratch. He might have been attacked by a panther. Um, and a lady is assisting him, pouring some peroxide. He thinks he's need stitches and... Um, but she goes all out of nowhere. Uh, she goes in, bring in the dogs. And I'm like, oh, this must be good. Uh, it's a van full of corgis. <laughs> and they're actually pretty, they're actually really adorable. I'm not going to lie. They're all wearing jerseys. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's a scat on the back. Um, and they're, you know, are, are barking around and like, they're all hunting for these, these panthers. And, uh. The guy who got cut he goes, I'm being attacked, help, And but it's in the dark. And then the lady flashes light, and it's the corgi. One of the corgis trying to pull them along because he got separated from the pack. There's a funny way to uh, describe it. Um, but then they go through all the names of the cor- different corgis. Um one was named the one was name was Carol, and then there's a Greg, there's a Merkin, there's a Spider Man, one <laughs> called Curiosity, Amy Pond, Burt Reynolds, and Marcia. Those are all their names. Doctor Who is Amy Pond reference. There's a lot of weird references in there. It's yeah. That's crazy. Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds. I love it. I love it. Um so yeah, they're looking around for these ferocious panther and uh then there's news report about the big cat attacks and hunting for a panther a corgi is not a dog i'm gonna use (laughs) yeah i know i know oh that's awesome that that's what like it's so goofy but like i don't i don't know what to expect uh so it jumps to a news report and the one guy is petting one of the corgis and just goes, "You did good, Burt Reynolds. We reached the end of the line." Uh, and look, I mean, these dogs look so happy, and that makes me like, I'm sure something bad is going to happen eventually. Uh, but they come across these uh, panther 
tracks end, and right after them, bike tracks, like bicycle tracks, show up, and people, everyone in this group except for the guy that got attacked originally, I don't know his name, uh, is like curious about them. People are like, no, no, this can't be one of those ferocious panther, or one of those uh, Toxmo, what the fuck is it called? Uh, period Toxoplasmosis X cases. Yes, we'll call them period panthers. <laughs> um, and it looks weird because the next panel is like an actual news report. And, they, and the art here is actually pretty weird because it looks like they actually inserted a picture of somebody sitting at a news desk. It's not artwork. It's like an actual picture. Um, but it's talking about uh, people, if you're ex- a female uh, experiencing tox- toxoplasmosis X, to turn themselves in. So it was weird. It seemed like a... Uh, like some kind of like government entity that was like kind of capturing people like that. Like it, it, it's just it was just weird. Um, I got like uh, shady, shady government agency vibes from it. Let's just say that. Um, see, there's a flashback to the the girl who was in the the puberty class. She goes into the like it, they have it separated. Um, girls and boys, like it's a very, it's a separate thing, and and there's a specific water for girls that has uh, hormones and stuff in them to keep them under control during this state. Like it's really interesting. Um, so there's a bit of segregate, like segregation almost. Um, one of the guys, because there's a there's a boys lounge and a girls lounge, and in the boys lounge the, that one girl went into, she goes, he goes, no, you can't have, you can't have you know, what we're drinking, I was supposed to drink tap water. It's got medicine in it. And, uh, yeah, it's got these added hormones that are the only thing keeping you from murdering us. <laughs> um, but they get, uh, she goes on a rant, um, and bring, she's just like, you know, pretty much screw you guys, takes all the stuff, uh, takes a bunch of drinks and brings them back to the girls' lounge, which is just, Loaded with Hillary Clinton posters and, and banners and <laughs> whatnot. Uh, and then it flashes to the people hunting for the, the, the period panther. <laughs> and, <laughs> period panther. And they have a little discussion. Um, most of them don't think it's the Toxoplasmosis X infection. Because um, that only lasts like three day, three to five days, um, but apparently these girls, it turns out they they haven't been drinking that hormone water on purpose, that that you know tap water that they're supposed to drink, uh, so they have a little bit more control over their toxo word uh, toxoplasmosis. They have like control over they can turn into a panther whenever they want uh, so it was a kind of an interesting little swerve there uh, but it ended you know girl with her hat says oh the cat wants out and then that's kind of it uh, very weird yeah. very weird uh, we've had black panthers we've had pink panthers period panthers so yeah <laughs> There's that. Um, 
we're sorry if we're offensive, but we're really not. I don't think it's that offensive. I don't think. It I think we've been pretty good about this. This is definitely not a male uh, aimed at book. Oh gosh, without a doubt. Uh, but I gave it a chance. I gave it a chance, and I not. I'm not gonna lie. I don't hate it at all. It's uh, become like highly recommended a handful of times to me. Oh I really? Just, I haven't had a chance to grab it, but. I've heard, a lot of people have told me like this is great. You need to read it. It's it's not bad at all. Uh, I'll start with the artwork. The cover immediately drew me in, and it actually it was a good mix of actual images, like photograph images, mixed with artwork, uh, which made it, it was kind of interesting. I'm gonna give the artwork an eight. Action. I really can't think of any. There wasn't. There wasn't at all. Corgi uh, attack. Corgi attack. <laughs> Corgis. Corgi. They were actually really cute. Um, so I, I honestly, I, I legit can't give a score for that. It's got to be a zero. Uh, story. Dun, 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 dun. I know we're getting into X twenty three grounds here. Number four. <laughs> uh, story. The story is interesting. I'm actually curious as to this world where the girls and guys are separate and and, and why this is. You know, you got to drink if these there's, uh, boner bears to match these period panthers. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is like, I mean, do you guys watch Big Mouth? No. no. <laughs> Explain. It's got some Big Mouth feel to it. Big Mouth is a Netflix cartoon for adults. Uh, written by Nick Kroll and John Mulaney, oh. and it is awesome. It is, but it's like, like it's basically, like, it tells a story when you become puberty, you get like something called a hormone monster. <laughs> it, like, it follows you, and there's a male and a female hormone monster. And okay. The, there's the shame wizard when you do something shameful. <laughs> like, so. That sounds kind of like what this is. Big yeah. Mo- I mean, Big Mouth, I'm sorry, but Big Mouth is better than this. <laughs> This wow, uh, <laughs> story. Yeah, like I said, story. Um, I'm curious as to what this is all about. Why things are the way that they are. Um, I actually thought it was a really good story. I that ten. I think yeah. story was its saving grace. Super creative. Very creative to create. Yeah, just to just make a unique world setting in a in a natural seeming setting too. It's uh. Interesting. Dialogue. A lot of dialogue here. Obviously help with the story. Dialogue was very strong. I'm going to give it a nine. <laughs> yeah, he's a little ham. Uh, rereadability. Would I pick this book up again? I'd have to say yes. Yeah. I'd have to say yes. Uh, I did not know what to expect from it when I picked it up earlier today. Uh, literally lunchtime. Uh but I'm impressed. Look at that cover. Like I wouldn't. It's it's a it's a tampon deposit box. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a weird. Cover. I'm actually re- I'm really proud of myself for picking this up because like I said I never too. would. There was a someone's lot of- getting that as a gift for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> it's Ooh. women on mats list. Oh my man eaters number four. Uh, rereadability. I'm gonna give an eight too. So here you go, Amy. Merry Christmas. <laughs> she actually probably would appreciate this. Twenty-seven. Uh, okay, so with zero in the action, it still gets a thirty-five out of fifty. Wow, that's a pretty good so book. <laughs> I did. Yeah, I was 
actually really impressed. I by think it. it's the weirdness and the mystery behind it. Yeah, there's definitely a yeah that just an aura about it that makes we me do want like to read weird more. here. I feel like the three of us like uh, that's our connecting is like weird is good. Yeah, <laughs> our own it's like our own styles are weird too. I guess, but no, the, there there is one. Yeah, you are right. There is only there's one thing in common with comics, and it's just the weird and obscure stuff. Yeah, without a doubt. So, very good. Six books down. Um, that's it for this week, everybody. Uh, hopefully, we'll have a crossover episode for you guys soon. Hopefully, a uh, Avengers four trailer soon uh and we'll get you your reaction aquaman and aquaman stuff. maybe christmas comics what, too if what holiday oh, comics i already have something. the list i do have christian a local christmas comic i have a local uh art buffalo artist oh yeah um, I, about that. I got that on my phone um and I, I will do that one for a christmas special yeah absolutely i've got some christmas comics you guys will be interested in sweet okay, cool cool yeah so we got a lot of themes coming up guys make sure you pay attention make sure you follow us on our Facebook page, the panel discussion. Make sure you follow us on Instagram. Uh, keep up with our release dates and uh, check out the BICBP Radio Network page at BICBP-radio.com uh, for our show, which comes out every Monday, along with all the other great podcasts that are on the network. Uh, is there anything you guys want to close the show with? Uh, no, just, you know. Keep keep like you know. Tell your friends about the page and everything. Yeah, and the podcast. When we share it, share it for us. Help us spread the good word of the panel discussion. And comic uh, books are important. I don't care what anyone says. They are. And uh, support your local comic book shop. I think that's yeah. the most important thing. Small uh, small business Saturday should not just be one day of the week. It should be every day of the week. Honestly, um, everybody, thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you listening to us, and we'll talk to you next week right here on the panel discussion.